Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Jennifer Eurizio, founder and spiritual director of Soul Language and the Business of Soul. And this is Ask and Answered by Soul, where we discuss life, love, and business and provide you with the answers to those really big questions. Who are you? Why are you here? And what it all means. This podcast is dedicated to providing you with tangible tools to embody your divinity and create a life based on freedom. Each podcast is focused on a topic that will guide you to listening and utilizing your essential nature. During each show, I ask an expert three key questions so you can understand that you're not alone on this journey and that your soul is key to forming a life full of abundance, purpose, and passion. The goal of each interview is for you to take away a practice that you could do right here, right now, and to, for you to understand what universal support is out there. I'm so excited today because I'm talking to Rebecca Johns, and we're talking about the five essential elements of communication. Rebecca is a certified professional coach trained by the Coaches Training Institute. She's also certified by Deep Change Inc. in the Deep Change Model of Personal Development. She's a former trainer for the Center of Transformational Presence as a charter member of the Purpose Project at the Center for Spiritual and Healing. Along with several other approaches, she provides personal and professional development, coaching social visionaries who are willing to live to live on the edge of what is possible. Rebecca lives her life into it, Lee, bringing her light and playfulness into her work. She brings her connection to nature for many years of backcountry explorations by offering multi-day outdoor leadership retreats. Her stillness and presence reveal her commitment to solitude and deep reflection. She has been described as compassionate, creative, provocative, and loving. She's a storyteller, funny, vulnerable, illuminating, and inspiring. She lives in the mountains of Montana, deeply connected to the natural world. Her coaching is for those willing to transform their lives and their work. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. So, although I'm going to ask this question, but your bio explained it beautifully. What has your soul shared with you throughout your journey? Oh, my goodness. You know, this willingness to listen to our soul. Um, and it's funny because I was with a group of young professionals and they asked this question, which was so wonderful, which was how in your life, how did you know you were making a choice that would change your life? And I took a few seconds and I said, it almost never made sense. And I'd already said yes. <laughs> that's true so it's not you know it's not like leaping off into the void but it's there's this inner deeper knowing that guides us as you know and as we develop a relationship with that and you know I just talked to somebody yesterday who said to me my gut kept telling me and I just wasn't listening mm. <laughs> and we do that all the time you know sometimes we listen sometimes we just blow it off and do what we think you know and so my soul started talking to me when I was four. Wow. And I just listened and it wasn't easy. Love that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, the five elements of communication. Like what does that truly mean and how can we utilize it to create more love and more goodness in our life? 
Yeah. So, so these five elements aren't all there is to it, but, but it's a, an easier way to sort of remember, um, sort of steps. And, and the first one is presence. And when I talk about presence, I'm, I mean, your presence as a listener. And so there is being present. And then there's also bringing your presence and our presence has an impact. So as you know, you know, as a listener, we can be really inviting and really present and, and people respond to it because it's all energy. So we each have our own energetic field and then we have a relational field and then we have a social field. And so one of the questions I ask my clients is notice what people do when you walk in the room. Because you just brought your energy into the room. And then what if you chose the energy you wanted to bring in the room? So presence is who am I being right now? Am I being mindful? Am I being self-aware? Am I being um, open? Am I curious? Am I noticing my impact? And then the second one is connection. And so authentic connection is, you know, based on who you're being, which is an invitation. And, and we can feel it. We can, and I love this new word that I'm hearing in the language, which is, you know, we all want to be heard and seen and known and valued. And the word I'm hearing now is met, being met in a way that feels like you get me. Wow, you get me. And I think we're craving that. So yeah. being pr- present and having a presence connection in a very authentic, you get me, meet me where I am kind of way. And then the third one is curiosity. And curiosity, believe it or not, Jennifer, I'm teaching classes on curiosity because we are taught, and I taught in the public schools for 25 years. And the last five years, I was a special ed teacher, but the last five years I taught kindergarten as well. And um, I noticed right away how quickly our children stopped being curious. Wow. What, how, how old? Like five or six years old. They're, they're pretty curious until they're five. And then when, and this is my opinion, but it's also backed up by research now, um, that when there starts being right answers and wrong answers. Wow. They're afraid there's to less, be right or wrong. There's less curiosity because they think they're supposed to get it right. And that yeah. goes all the way up into leadership development. And how many of you think you're supposed to have the answers? You're supposed to have the right answers and you're supposed to have all the answers. And so curiosity builds connection into, you know, inherently if we're genuinely curious. And then it opens up our intuition. It opens up our, our way of knowing in a really different way. And so I often say to my clients, try the sentence starters. I wonder, (laughs) or wouldn't it be cool if, because it opens the space in a way that there's no right or wrong answers and it becomes a playground. And what I hear from my classes online is what gets in the way of being curious at work. And almost without exception, people say it isn't safe to ask questions at work. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Can't even go so, there. Can't yeah, even here go we there. go. Yeah, exactly. So, and we've 
all been in those environments, right? And and it's two things. One is if you're genuinely curious and you're one of those people that's always wondering and has a lot of questions, it can be perceived of as starting an argument or questioning authority. Interesting. I've had both of those come back at me, Rebecca. And I remember uh, I took in college, I had this job in this gallery. I can tell you where the gallery is, but I can't remember her name. And I had to be like 20. I had to be not even 21. I had to be like 19 or 20. And uh, I asked her a question. She's like, you are being paid. You're not to ask questions. Only interns can ask questions. And I was like, oh my God, I hate it here. Like instantly. And I went home and uh, I was like, mom, I hate it there. I can't ask any questions. And I, and she's like, well, quit. And I was like, but mom, I, you're telling me to quit. She's like, if you can't ask questions, you should quit. And I quit. And I, you just put a whole new spin. Cause I was always asked questions at, at work and I was told aggressive or argumental or defensive. And I'm like, but, but why? Tell me why. Tell me why. why. Right. Yeah. And it is. It's like you're starting an argument or you're questioning authority. And then we all have rules about that kind of stuff. And as a little child, you know, I think I came out of the womb going, why? <laughs> but why? But why? And and so, you know, if we can learn how to ask powerful questions and um, and I'll do an exercise in just a couple of minutes. But I love exercises. Yeah. So, so there's being present, having a presence, connecting intentionally by being really curious, which takes practice and then listening deeply. And a a lot of my listening um, classes are all different layers and levels of listening. So there's a big difference between inquiring and um, asking for an answer. You know, I I call them, this is a think about question, not an answer me question. (laughs) You know, this is just, I'm at, I'm inquiring and I want you to be thoughtful about it. So there are levels of listening. So, you know, there's listening at level one, which is you're just waiting for your turn to talk. And then level two, where you're actually picking up on what's going on with that other person. And you're genuinely curious and real questions will come from that. You don't have to have a list. And then level three, which is you're picking up on the energy, you know, so it's more of uh, intuitive, like what's, what am I sensing right now? What's actually here? And that's where you pick up um, this next listening level, which is listening to and listening for. So listening for is information, list, listening for emotions and listening for what matters. And that takes a lot of practice because we're taught to listen for information and that's enough, but we can be listening for, there's some emotion here. What's there for you and listening for meaning underneath all that. Like, what are these, what does this person value? What do they actually care about in general, whether it's personally or professionally, we value being met. Uh, All of my life. I call that reading between the lines and all my life I've been able to read between the lines. Right. Right. I know you're saying this, but I don't know. And then I would, right. And then I would ask questions and, and most people, unless they're prepared to really 
be between the lines, have a problem with that. Now I get paid to do that by the way, but right. Like, so I can, I can see, and I've always been amazed that how many people don't know how to read the room. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Werner will try to like, if I'm in a really bad, he'll try to make a joke and I'll be like, dude, like, he goes, but I can always make you laugh. I'm like, yeah, but there comes a certain point when the warrior is just about to pan, read the room, right? Like, ah, no, right, <laughs> right. And so I'm always amazed about how many people just don't know how to do that. And I think that's that, that emotional, that big theme of what's going on. Poof, I love this conversation. Keep going. Well, the, I'll say one more thing about listening. Um, because I'm kind of doing this in a sequence. And one of the other exercises that my clients work with a lot is listening from. And so what that means is, am I listening from a position of expert? Or am I listening from a place of genuine curiosity? Because if you're genuinely curious, you're not the expert. And there's nothing to, no image to manage. It's like, it's okay to not know. It's okay to just be curious. So listening from a position of I'm the expert and I have the answers and I'm just going to tell you what to do, which is very common in the workplace because if people get interrupted, they just want to tell them what to do. So they go away when there's actually an opportunity, not all day, every day, but an opportunity to develop the person who just came in with a question and to say something like, what have you thought of? What have you tried? I wonder what else is possible so that you're developing people so you can delegate to them. If all they're doing is coming and saying, what do you want me to do now? You're going to be doing that all day. Yeah. Right? You're just minions. Yeah. Right. And so listening from a position of expert is that's just tell them what to do and they go away. It's not a bad thing. There's a time and a place for that. And then listening from a position of total curiosity and openness is very different where you kind of ask questions that are uh, tap into the potential um, and listening from openness and a willingness to learn. You know, that's slightly different than listening from curiosity. They go together. And then the one that happens the most is listening to fix. And what I've noticed, because it's like, just do this. <laughs> Right. And what I've noticed recently in the last two and a half years with the pandemic is if somebody says, how are you? And I go, well, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not that good. And then they go, well, you know, well, what, what's wrong? And then they just can't wait to get in there and go, well, don't be unhappy. Don't, don't be sad. Just do this. And so it dismisses that whole emotional realm of, you know, energy that we can pick up on because emotions show us where there's meaning. That's it. There aren't good ones and bad ones or right ones or wrong ones. They're just there to tell us where there's something that matters. So if we're having a strong emotion, something's important. And as we learn to navigate that, and thank goodness for Brene Brown and Dr. Susan David and all these people that are doing research on emotions, because Daniel Goleman wrote Emotional Intelligence in 1991. <laughs> and now it's on the radar. So these levels of listening, and then the, the fifth piece of communication is trust. And everybody has their own version of trust. I often work with teams and do these exercises on um, journaling exercises on what's your version of trust. 
for a lot of people, it's competence. For a lot of people, it's you say what you're going to do and you do it and and you're reliable and you get it done and you tell me when it's done, right? So that's competence-based trust. And then there's character-based trust. I would leave my child with you for a week. (laughs) And so we're not all coming at trust from the same And it's funny when I do it with teams and then they start to share with each other about their version of trust. I always hear somebody go, that's what you think trust is. (laughs) And then they start to realize that that's a word that we throw around and we assume everybody means the same thing. So presence, connection, curiosity, listening, and trust. And all of these require what I call my four essential elements of leadership, which is be grounded, be clear, be confident, and be skillful. And confident comes from competence. The more you practice something, the better you get at it, and then the more confident you get. So when I work with women who say, it isn't safe to ask questions where I work, or I have ideas or questions, and they get stuck in my throat. And it isn't worth it. So I just don't talk. And then we start getting into what's the difference between manipulation and strategy. And do you go in the bathroom and hatch a plan and make the men think it's their idea? Ooh, I don't know. But, you know, or do you learn how to speak your truth, even if your voice is shaking? Yeah. There's a, there's a, a great commercial. I, I don't even know what it's for. I think it's for some audio system and it's a conference room and, and, you know, it's about being clear and, and you can hear and you can be heard in a crowded room. And this woman stands up and, you know, even if you feel shaky and she stands up, she goes, your idea sparked, uh, the, your, what you were saying the other day sparked an idea and it's, you know, she's like being heard. Right. And I think that is key. I, you know, being seen, being heard, being met, so to speak. Uh, there's this woman who did meditation in jails and dealt with people on death row murderers. And they said that the only time they've ever felt seen or heard was when they were killing someone like that is astounding to me. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're talking about here in, in the communications is really, if you want to be seen and heard and met, then you also have to bring all of that to the game, right? And that takes you being grounded and uh, you having confidence. And I love your, your, your definitions of trust and really understanding like where, what is our definition of trust? And I'm going to, I'm going to ask a couple of people what their definition of trust is, because mm-hmm. I think, because I know mine are words and actions measure up. If your words and actions don't measure up, I don't trust you. I also trust people by gut as well. Like mm-hmm. I'll be like, I don't trust them. I don't know why I don't trust them, but I don't trust them. And um, I can point out times in my life where I was like, I don't trust them. And then I had the reason why. But so how do, if you're going to give us kind of one exercise or one practice to start kind of engaging where would you suggest that we go first okay um thank you for asking and and this is this is my number one um when i say go you and i are going to hold our breath 
and then I'll tell you why. Okay. Okay. So I'm actually timing this. So when I say go, take a deep breath. Ready? Go. Okay. How long do you think that was? I don't know. Five seconds. It seemed like forever. Eight seconds. Wow. The reason I do eight seconds is that I learned this from a neuroscientist because I'm a research nerd um, because I taught special ed and I, I wanted everything to be, you know, it takes eight seconds for a fully intact, healthy adult brain to take information in, process it, and get clipped all the way up here and formulate a meaningful response. So let's do it again. That let's doesn't do seem very long. Well, try it again. Okay, are you ready? When I uh-huh. say go, ready? Go. Stop. So how often, Jennifer, in our day-to-day interactions, personally and professionally, particularly in the workplace, does anybody say, give me a second, I want to think? Not at all. Never. And so there's this badge of honor if I've got that. These are direct quotes from my clients, current clients. It's a badge of honor to have back-to-back meetings for nine hours and not eat lunch. You can't see my eyes right now, everyone, but they're really big. <laughs> yeah. And, and I want to throw up a little in my mouth. Yeah. Cause it's like we're in a hurry and I call it most workplaces have a bias for action, which is now being called toxic productivity. <laughs> it's never enough. We just keep doing and doing and doing and doing. And at the end of the day, we walk away and go, I have no idea what I did, but I know I was in a hurry and I know I was busy. And so if we can't take eight seconds to say, give me a minute, I want to think about what you just said, because I want to give you a reasonable answer. We can't do that all day, every day, because we're in these cultures with a bias for action and they're total, totally filled with distraction. So I'll give you, I'll give you a quote from one of my clients, 35 years old, got her dream job in a marketing and ad agency in Portland. And I was coaching her and she said, it's hard to step back when all the momentum is get it out the door. And I said, what would stepping back get you? And she said, had we taken two minutes and asked more questions and really considered what we were saying yes to, we would have had a different budget, a different timeline, more people on the project. And the quality would have been impacted in a really positive way. But we said yes and hit the ground running. And now I don't even want my name on it. And so this fear of taking eight seconds to say, I just want to consider this for a few seconds. I did this with a group of leaders, like 50 people in a room when I was live, not online all the time. And this guy actually said, if I, if I ask somebody a question and they don't answer it immediately, I think they're stupid or slow. 
And I just kind of removed eye contact and thought, well, I'll just let you sit there with that because you yeah. actually said that, you know? Yeah. And then I went, okay. And I said, yeah, it's eight seconds. And then another person said, I don't have time for people to think. And so that's the vibe, right? It's like, get it done, get it done, get it done. And these cultures of assumed productivity are, are driving people crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and making really bad choices and things full of parties. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's no, uh, there's a belief that there. So I have one client who I said, I want you to start saying, give me a minute. And he said, I can't, you don't understand. If I said that, they'd all think I was crazy. I mean, like nobody says that where I work, I can't do that. And I went, okay, okay. And I said, just, you know, maybe, if, you know. And so he, he was just defending that there was just no way. And I went, all right, don't. Then. And, and then three days later, I got a text and he said, I did it. And I said, call him. And he called me and I said, what happened? And he said, somebody came to me and I said, give me a minute. I want to think about what you just said. And the guy I was talking to said, where did you learn how to do that? (laughs) And my client said, I have a coach, (laughs) you know, and it was sort of like, it's, it's eight seconds, right? It's not 20 minutes. It's like, give, give me a few seconds. I say, ask me again, say that again, because we, you know, I work with artists and people in the trades and you know what artists and people in the trades who work with their hands, you know what they do? They sit back and they just stare at it. If they can't, and this is what they say. If, if, if you can't figure it out, if you sit back, it will show you. If you look at it long enough, it'll tell you. Same thing with people. Yeah. And it's like reading people. It's when I was training teachers after I left the public schools, I'd go into classrooms and I'd pull the teacher over and go, tell me what you see. And they go, what do you mean? And I go, you know, them. <laughs> what do you see? And they go, I don't know what you're asking me to notice. And I was like, oh, well, stand back and watch because there's patterns. There are patterns in every environment with human beings you'll start to see the patterns and then you'll know what's going on. And someone asked me a while ago, were you ever able to teach people how to see? And I said, yeah, but I, to be fair, teachers in this country are so overwhelmed. They don't, they just want one answer. Just tell me one thing I can do for all of them, you know? And it's like, well, but they're not all the same. You know, this one's hyperactive. This one's hypervigilant and this one's hyper arousal. You don't respond to those the same way, but because they're overwhelmed all the time, because we have this culture of overwhelmment <laughs> and we're running around doing all the time that to step back and say, give me a minute, I want to watch and I want to learn how to see when it's going to happen or what's going to happen. And, you know, and so I, I get this luxury of, of being part of workplaces which I believe every environment is a learning environment. It's just like a classroom. You'll figure out who do they really listen to? Because <laughs> it's usually not the person who has the power positional. Right. It's somebody in the environment that never says anything. And when they do, everybody goes, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it's fascinating. Very fascinating. And I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> Likewise. But, thank you. 
So to let everyone know your website address, it's going to be in the show notes, but let everyone know how they can get more of your goodness. Oh, thank you. Um, actually, so my website is Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A, Johns, J-O-H-N-S, coaching, RebeccaJohnsCoaching.com. And the easiest way to reach me is my phone number and email are both on the website. And that's the fastest way to get a hold of me. I love and it. And I'm happy to chat with you. Every, I, you know, I don't charge people to talk to me <laughs> unless we decide that we're going to do that. So I adore you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank for you. Being on today. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And everyone, you've been listening to Ask and Answered by Soul. I'm Jennifer Rizzio. The Ask and Answered by Soul podcast is dedicated to helping you understand that your soul is the answer. If you're interested in learning more about the answers of your soul, you can secure your free sacred practice tool at soullanguage.us forward slash sacred practice. Please review us, share us, but most importantly, really connect with these amazing experts because there's a whole lot of knowledge here and you're missing out if you don't connect. Thanks a lot and bye for now, everyone. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your host for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Electric Acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today.